This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Booksplode. It's lonely at the center of the earth. Give me a second, I, I need to get my story straight My friends are in the bathroom getting higher than the Empire State My lover, she is waiting for me just across the bar My seat's been taken by some sunglasses asking about a scar And I know I gave it to you months ago I know you're trying to forget But between the drinks and subtle things 
Hello, welcome to iFanboy Booksplode. It's lonely at the center of the earth. My name is Connor Kilpatrick, and I'm here with Josh Flanagan. It's not so lonely right this moment, though. We have each other. We do, which we do not take for granted. This is our bi-monthly review show that was unlocked by the patrons in the old system of stretch goals, which no longer exists. So I don't know, maybe we stopped doing the show. Well, uh, had I known that was an option... <laughs> Anyway, thanks to the patrons at patreon.com slash ifanboy. We have a whole new patron system and a system of rewards there. Check it out if you feel like supporting our various suites of shows. But this is the show, as I said, that was unlocked. It happens every other month, and it's where Josh and I and sometimes other people review a trade paperback or an original graphic novel or whatever you want to call it. And it is the sister show of Josh's Talksplode interview show. And uh, here we are with It's Lonely at the Center of the Earth, which we wanted to do for several reasons. And also, it's written, drawn, everything by Zoe Thurgood. This was a book that came out last year in 2022, and it garnered a lot of notice amongst best-of-the-year book lists. And so it was on my radar, and then this year, when they announced the Eisner nominations, she got several. And so we thought this was a good time to check it out. And also, we haven't done this kind of book in a while. We've been on a 90s nostalgia kick for a while, doing superhero stuff from our childhood. So I have a thought about that. But we haven't done, like, Slice of Life. Yeah autobiography comics in a long time, which is a genre we love. And it a genre that's, without knowing anything is true or not, I feel like has sort of fallen off in the recent times. This will go into my theory, and yes. we don't need to do that now, but we'll, we'll circle back around to it. I think there are reasons. If you go back and watch the old video show or look through the archives of ifanboy.com, which, you know, God bless you, uh, you'll find a lot of books like this talked about. But it's been a while. It's been a while. So... This is published by Image Comics. I said it's about 200 pages, 196 pages, I believe. Meatier than I thought it was going to be. Mm, yeah, but not at the same time. We first were exposed to Zoe Thurgood's art on Joe Hill's Reign miniseries. Was that last year? Was that two years ago? Was that five years ago? I mean, during the pandemic is what I'm going to tell you. <laughs> okay, so, you know, we really liked that book. We really liked her art. You know, we knew her name. She's got a very distinctive name. And so, it was, sure. Uh, you know, we remembered it. I definitely made a one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer joke about it on our regular podcast at some point. Now, having read this, I feel extra bad about it, but I'm yeah. a middle-aged dad, so it's kind of expected. So <laughs> she got, I think, like five Eisner nominations. Three of them were for Rain and two were for this book. Wow. Yeah, she got Best Graphic Memoir nomination for this book. She got Best Adaptation from Another Medium for Rain. She got Best Writer Artist for this book. She got Best Painter Multimedia Artist for Rain, and she got Cover Artist for Rain. Mm. It was a big year for Zoe Thurgood, the wow. future of comics. <laughs> and she's basically still a child, so that's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, she's like 23. She yeah. was born the year we started at Fanboy. Think about that for a minute. Well, I got to go. Good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs> so, oh, God! <laughs> so, uh, okay. Let's... Uh, Dive in. So obviously spoilers because we're going to talk about the book. So I sent this to you, Josh. You, I'm sure you didn't know about it. Is that the case? I barely knew about it until I started reading it yesterday. Okay. I mailed it to Josh because I knew I wanted to talk about it. And I said, like, you know what? I'm just going to force his hand. And send I mean, if book. nothing else, this forced me to actually read it because there's – listen, Connor has sent me more books <laughs> than I have – than I definitely will have time to read in my lifetime. I stare at this stack of Winston Churchill memoir books all the time and I think <laughs> – when is this going to happen? And I want it to happen. He's a good... Anyway. Retirement. <laughs> You're funny. So this is the story of six months in Zoe Thurgood's life. And it seems like it's like sort of the low point of her life. The six months where 
everything sort of falls apart. She has mental health issues that come to the forefront in her life. She has relationship issues. She has professional anxieties. They all sort of hit her at the same time. And this is the story of what I would say is her collapsing in the six months and then coming out of it at the end to figure out sort of how to move on with her life and be who she is. It's not a full story of redemption, but it's a story of, I think, figuring out herself and how she can live with the demons in her head, the characters in her head, the voices in her head that are not beneficial to her. I mean, what do you think overall of the story? So it's interesting. I see that there's a lot of craft there and thoughtfulness that is, I think, very raw and not in a bad way. It was difficult for me to read for a couple of reasons, and this is not a criticism of the book. This is as a person who has experienced depression, not necessarily the same kind that she does. So parts of it are, are like very, I'm not going to use the word triggering because that's not exactly right, but it's, it's rough to watch somebody go through this and end up in these spirally circles of talking mm-hmm. yourself into and out of things. And clearly, and one of the problems here is that she's clearly extremely intelligent. So she's able to recognize fallacies and contradictions and things that many people would use to sort of get out of those cycles. You know, like she is very aware of the fact that doing a book like this while trying to be raw and open is also an exercise in vanity and narcissism, Mm -hmm. which is a very interesting thing. And she counteracts that in lots of ways, A, just by mentioning it, because by mentioning it, you're poking a hole in somebody saying, well, well, they're just, you know, and then B, the way that she depicts several things, including herself, there's many versions of herself. I feel like I've seen that as a visual tool, but I think it was well done. And I think it's very useful. Yeah. She has a main version of herself here. So the yeah, but it, round head, bald, featureless person, which yeah. is the, the main way she portrays herself here. But even that is a, you know, it's a blank. It's, I, yeah. I don't know what I am. I don't know how to, you know, and so the other ones sort of fill in. These are all the different versions. I really like that. She's also, however, aware of the fact that she's telling a story and a story needs to have a beginning, middle and end. And it needs to have a form because otherwise it's just meandering and, and that can be really difficult, especially when you're dealing with a subject like this. And so there is a realization and a conclusion of sorts that is tacked on at the end, but kind of, which is Mm. honest to do that way. But I found myself wondering, like, the artist must be self-conscious of that as a thing, because clearly she was talking out loud to us in the book. You know, I have to have have some way to end this. And I think at one point, the boyfriend or whatever he was, the love interest at the end, you know, is like, I'm the bad guy in your book now. And she's like, yes. But, you know, even that was kind of like not fully... Basically, I think that there is strength and difficulty in the ambiguity of a lot of this. And I found that challenging. And when I say challenging, I mean in a good way. It's tough because it's not a biography, right? It, and it's it's a six-month chunk. So, right. I mean, it's not going to wrap up because she's still sure. 23. Nor do you want it to because no. you could not – when you're 23, you cannot make it – you know, she's going to read this in 20 years and be like, oh, I get it. It just is. Yeah, so like when I was reading it, I was getting towards the end. I was like, I don't know how this is going to wrap in a satisfying mm-hmm. way because it's not like looking back at her life from 40 years. You know, it's hard in it when you're in it. But sure. it, I think it did. I think when she comes to the realizations she comes to about herself and how to deal with who she is. And I think it was satisfying ultimately. What I really found impressive were two things. One, you know, she's a great artist, but I think she's a really good writer. Yes. I thought her way with words was really strong. Mm-hmm. She comes across as, so, as you said, someone extremely intelligent who has been writing for a long time. And the other thing was sort of the multimedia aspect of the art in that it, it changes styles, it changes its black and white, its color. 
there's a really powerful moment at the end where she uses a photograph. Yeah. Clearly she's an artist and you know, headline news, a lot of artists have mental health issues. Maybe mm-hmm. that's why they're artists. And I think exploring that <laughs> well, is interesting. It's, it's like, have you ever met like a well-adjusted, like a fully well-adjusted artist? No. I mean, I was raised by one. I know what right. that's like. You know, again, 23 years in the covering the comics industry, the comics industry over-indexes in these people. Mm-hmm. You know, not just the creators, but also the fans. And for whatever reason. And so it's not an unusual part. Like, I wasn't surprised to learn any of this about Zoe Thurgood. It was just like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, you know, there's very few comic people, professionals, who I'm like, that is a normal <laughs> They wouldn't be here. I mean, I, I right. think that if you were to look into why we are still talking about all of these things, however many years later... It's not because all of the people doing this are completely normal. And because of that, that puts interesting quirks into things that we get to dig into, whether it's literal or or otherwise. And so, you know, like a book like this tends to be about like somebody exploring those things for themselves Mm -hmm. and sort of getting through it. And part of the thing I was talking about at the end, I think that is difficult is that because she is so young and because these are, you know, she's talking about suicide a lot and, and it's kind of easy to gloss over it because she keeps glossing over it in a way mm-hmm. like yeah it's a thing you know and you go oh, okay because that's how you can move along with it because otherwise you're thinking oh my god get help but as i get to the end of it and she seems to have come to some sort of resolution and i and, I, and i'm like Ugh, it's still so tenuous it's like an alcoholic i mean you, you are oh always sure an she she could contextualizes what her suicidal thoughts mean which actually means that i'm not happy in this moment i need to find a different moment to be in not being a psychologist and not being someone who suffers from any of these problems it seems a very healthy way to look at it but also as you said it's it's like an alcoholic who's uh, who's stopped drinking it's like there's at any moment you can fall back off off that so you do worry about her you know in that Mm -hmm. sense not that this book is a cry for help but it's tough because she seems like a very nice person (laughs) so you're just like Mm -hmm. oh you know i hope you're okay and hopefully she is I do think though that, like you said, she looks seems like a nice person and she does but i do think that there's enough stuff in here that is risky for her to show you know, vulnerability-wise. Sure. Quite a lot, I think. And, and that makes you admire. And I think that is sort of one of those things that is shared about so many of these kinds of books. You know, I'm trying to think. There was one where it was about, it's like a famous cartoonist. And like his thing was that he saw prostitutes because he couldn't have a real relationship. And so much of the book was about that. I'm trying to remember what it was. This is not even close to that, but it's the same sort of theme. And it was mm-hmm. such like a contrast to what you would expect somebody to talk about themselves with and how you reacted to it, having read the book in that context. Right. And, you know, this had, again, she's so young, and I, I, don't, I don't use that up as, as a pejorative, but there's all of these different thoughts that are competing and confusing, and, and you're in there for a little while, pretty well, and you understand it, at least I, you know, I did, and it's, that's difficult sometimes yeah you know? i mean I, I think you and i probably have two very different reactions to this yeah. book because there are some days where i feel like i'm the only person in the comics sphere who doesn't suffer from any sort of anxiety or depression and so to me it was very anthropological like mm-hmm. i don't i don't relate to her struggle here but i found it interesting and and i was empathetic towards it so you're saying you have no depression no i mean every human being has moments but sure i don't suffer from anything like that no like clinical or whatever no 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 yeah no anxiety, no depression. What must that be like? It's interesting being in the comics world. <laughs> Sometimes uh, just like, I don't know what's happening around me. Everyone has issues. I, yeah. I mean, I didn't understand anxiety for the longest time. Oh, I didn't either. My, my college girlfriend had it pretty bad, and I, I had such troubles dealing with it. I couldn't wrap my head yeah. about how she was feeling. Because I was 20. 
Sure. Well, I was, I've been, you know, I was only older than that and, and had been dealing, but you know, at a certain point you realize like, oh, I can't say anything to fix this. There's yeah. nothing you could, there's no words. And it's still, it's uh, so much of it's about timing and things like that. And so I feel like Zoe Thorogood writing this book is obviously working through it. This is therapeutic. There's no way that it's not, but also it shows it's like a work in progress and we're watching her do it. And that's an awful high tightrope. And before, when you were talking about, I'm sorry, I don't know. I, like we can talk about the the craft of the book or whatever, but really to me, the emotions and the realness of those things was the thing that stuck out. But, you know, you said all these things about, you know, she's getting nominated for Eisner's and there's fulfillment in that or whatever. And like, having read the book and like how, what people said about her earlier book, like it feels good. And she's like, this doesn't seem to fix anything. And I was like, oh, this isn't going to fix anything. It, you know, like in a way, it's just going to add more pressure is kind of how I saw it. It's just hard to play yourself out like that in public. And it's brave for a person who says they're anxious about everything. One of the things I think most impressive about this book, and there's a lot of things really impressive about the book, and Zoe as a creator, is she's very far along for being so young. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I, f I think we forget that comic creators are often younger than we think they are. At least they used to be. Oh, sure. And now all the people who blazed trails and, and made all these things, for the most part, were, were much younger people. Yeah, I mean, all the image guys in the image revolution were in their 20s. But she, you know, her craft is very strong. Mm -hmm. We loved her rain art. It was very mm -hmm. off the beaten path and fun and kind of quirky I don't know, that sounds bad you know well, what i mean like it wasn't like you know she's not drawn to captain america anytime soon because that's not her no but what i mean is that that's what i mean about sort of quirky it was like it had this very interesting unique uh, look to it that i would never put her in a, like oh she's very much like this like her art is very unique and the way she runs through different styles here the way she composes pages the way she plays with rhythm and she plays with structure the way she will stop the action with like a big splash page, or at one point she starts the book over with a cover again and the, mm -hmm. and the Indisa page and all that stuff. Like, I think she's very strong in the art of making comics. And I mean, you get that from reading the book, right? Like, she's only really able to turn off the voices when she's making art and she's constantly doing that instead of going out and partying and hanging out. Did with she go to school? As soon as she was in art school. Okay. I mean, either, either way. You know what it reminds me a lot of? Visually, it reminds me a lot of Alex Robinson. Yes. Who, before he was a friend of mine and known for Star Wars podcasting, was a very well-respected graphic novelist. And I was always really impressed by it because his stories were slice of life. You know, they were just real people things, <laughs> real Topeka people. But like when I went through them later, I would find all of these really advanced visual techniques that he would do. Yeah. Which now I look back and it's like to keep himself interested, but also because he's just super talented and found a way to convey things outside of the normal, you know, grids or whatever. And there's a lot of that in here. There's a mix of, of most of it's black and white and every once in a while color will show up and it has a very, it's a very impactful effect right. when that happens. You know, like there's a photo at one point, like you were talking about, and I, I love the minimalism of those things, but there's definitely compositions in here and pages and panels where I was like, this is good. Like it takes practice and talent to do these things, you know, because the other thing is like, it doesn't happen for no reason. It has to be intentional for it to be effective. And in here you can see those intentional things. Like I don't have a ton of examples of it, but there's a page where it's like her face and it, it's, it's the whole page has been segmented mm -hmm. uh, into different parts of it. Some are color, some are different styles or whatever. And you know, it's meant to represent her confusion about uh, a given thing. There's another bit in here where, was oh, this wonderful two-page spread where a huge black fists punches Zoe out of her room into sort of a white void, mm -hmm. you know? But, like, her room also around it has, like, set up, like, uh, lights as if she's in a movie or something like that. Yes. So, like, there's a cat person and there's a little mouse person and 
it hadn't shown up before. It just was a thing. And then she sees herself with these people as a cat person at one point, you know, and that sort of. Because she's trying to join. Yeah. That's her way of trying to feel like them. And mm-hmm. and this is only like her third published work. Yeah. Like she had Rain and then she has her own you know, other graphic novel, The Impending Blindness of Billy Scott, which she mentioned several times mm-hmm. in the book, which came out a year before this one. It's very impressive. Also very funny. Sure. Like I'm looking at the page where her friend is passed out in her bathroom, her pants down. Mm-hmm. She's got a bird head. And <laughs> so then she goes to the bathroom and it's just, it's just full page shot of her friend on the ground. She's in the toilet and it says poignant and thought provoking image comics, 2022. Like it's great. She's constantly taking the piss out of herself. Yeah. In a very funny way for me. I mean, it's all heartbreaking in a way, but mm-hmm. for yeah. me, it, it's the boyfriend is the worst part. I was just like, oh, no, Zoe. Like, she's just been broken up with. That's sort of the event that kicks off the first page mm-hmm. of the book. Her first suicidal thought, at least in the book, is after being dumped. And she's talking to this guy in America, this other comic creator, I, I think. I think it's either said that or it's implied. Oh, yeah, because he's making art, yeah. And so then, you know, she's going to go visit him. It's COVID. She was going to see him during a convention, but that doesn't gets canceled. And so... The whole time as she's leading towards this, you know, moment of possible happiness in America, and he's just the worst, and not even in like an overtly bad way. He's just that guy. He's just disappointing in every possible way. Now, see, I didn't take it that way entirely. I'm not disagreeing with you. We didn't know a lot about him, really. We know nothing we, about him. We just know that, you know, it's a guy she's going to see and I thought, maybe I missed something. Or I actually, when she kept saying she was going, I thought it was like a business opportunity or something Oh, like no, that. for and sure. Then it was as totally... we get closer, she was talking about it being a boyfriend and then she gives herself over to the idea that maybe it would be great, which is kind of sweet, but in fiction and life, you know, you're like, well, that's not a good sign. Yep. The first thing I noticed was like, I was like, oh, he's much older than her and he yep. very quickly mentions his kids and it wasn't like she didn't know about it. Right. So, like, that was a thing, but I just thought, oh, man, get out of this. None of this is good. And then I kind of waited for it because it's a story. I waited for him to be awful, and he wasn't. He's just older and almost as confused. No, I mean, I disagree. He's the worst in the sense of he is older with kids, but all he does is sit around and play video games and do drugs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And... You know, doesn't he doesn't offer her anything that would make her life better. I agree. You know, he's just that guy in comics who's still acting like he's 22. His apartment's yeah, yeah. shitty. He is not a guy that's going to make her life better. It's just if she were to stay with him, if he's, I'm in love with you, it would just be bad for her because right. it would. he's not going anywhere. And he even says at one point, and to be fair, he tells her, this is yes. not going to go anywhere. I he am not that lie. guy. And he's at least he's self-aware. He says... Yeah. I'm basically doing art until I die. I'm just waiting to die. I was like, oh, shit. But the point is, he's not the savior in the story for her that she hopes he will be. Who I feel bad for are those kids. Right. Well, at least they have a mom. Yeah. She turns into the cat in one panel where she thinks she's going to be part of this family because he's a cat and and the kids are cats. See, I read that as her imagining it and sort of like pawing over it and thinking, well, what is it? You know, but ultimately like. Yeah, yeah. Like in her head, like this is I'll be the cat, too. But then it's like immediately goes away and she starts crying and it's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, yeah, by the way, my uh, wife says I gave her an STD or my ex-wife says I gave her an STD. She might want to get tested. It's like, you are the worst. That is awful. And the way that she handled it seemed weird. In that she was just like, ah, well, you know, well, like she's in, she's in love with him. She, and then because of the next yeah. pain, the next scene, they're at the IHOP, mm-hmm. 
And she's like, I love you. And he's like, ah. Uh. Did she actually say it? She says, well, I really like you. She uh-huh. Then this is after he's told her several times mm-hmm. that this is not a thing. And this is one of those things where you're like, I feel bad because you know how eh, there's a lot of discussion about young women who are technically adults dating much older men. And you go, oh, mm-hmm. she's an adult and that's wrong or whatever. And there's a lot of ways to go between it. And I think it has to do with the person or whatever. However, in this instance, I thought this woman is not equipped for this man nor the other way around. And this is bad for her and she needs to go. We don't know how old or much older he is. He could well, be he's got a couple of kids. Could have had them. Well, either I mean, either way, yeah. it's like a different stage or whatever, and she's yeah. vulnerable and whatever. Yep. I just thought, like, he just looked sad and beaten and kind of like, eh, you know. And I was like, you don't need this. This is just going to leave you, you two, to being in a sad place just with each other instead of alone. Right. Yeah. But in the way of storytelling, it sort of snaps her out of good. Some things she's got to sort of realize about herself that no one's going to save her but herself. One of the things I thought that was really interesting about this book is that in a lot of stories about depression in the past, people are trying to help or you're trying to think of a solution. And it's kind of, she's got, seems to have a version of it that is is pretty resistant. And she has people around who care, but none of them actually seem qualified to help her with anything. Like she's got her good friend, Izzy. But Izzy clearly has some problems. Yeah. And she also says something which I found really interesting is she says, she's like, I can't talk to Izzy about any of this. And I was like, oh my God, then you have no one. And her parents are kind of useless about it. They love her, but basically she's like, my mom is the same thing and she's in denial about it. And, yeah. and I, I just thought that's oh, so awful. It's so sad. I mean, hopefully this book, the problem is this book could attract people to her who could be helpful, mm-hmm. but it's much more likely to attract a lot of other people who are not going to be, or, you know that narcissism of of sadness or whatever and to be able to pick that stuff out has got to be difficult it's very smart and and i think the book shows a level of self-awareness so hopefully i do not know that intelligence and self-awareness are necessarily helpful it's possible but it could go the other way for sure i'm diagnosing her from eight thousand miles away and never having met her but i'm just saying hopefully this book has helped her get better and i'm doing what she does is i am going over it in every possible angle and finding the potential problems and then dismiss like that part to me is very familiar mm-hmm. because you know you're smart enough you know what is going on and you recognize the patterns and the next day you do it again and that's very very difficult and then all you know it's a, i mean it's a different culture she grew up in it's even though it seems like it's kind of the same although i'm sure it's all getting a lot more similar than it used to be like when we were a kid people in britain were living in a different world and now they're probably a lot more similar i keep flipping through and seeing different pages there's that point in it's really interesting when she's having the conversation with the guy in the, in the IHOP and <laughs> there's the double page spread where she is him like it's her on either side of the table I think maybe she realizes that uh-huh That's this good. guy is is got the same problems she has it's not going to be good for her <laughs> it doesn't stop the emotional collapse of it I thought it was very funny when she sort of collapses on her knees and face down on the ground in the airport right. I mean it's sad but it's also a comedic beat I also think that might have not been literal Oh, no, no, who knows? But, you know. Well, I think there's a lot of it where you don't know if something's literal or really not, but it doesn't matter in the end. Yeah. And I like that. I thought that was skillful. One of the recurring motifs we've mentioned you know, before is someone calls her the future of comics. Is it Kieran Gillen? I think it is Kieran Gillen, yes. And so it comes up several times, ironically, throughout the story. And I don't know who the future of comics is because I don't even know what the future of comics is. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a future in this kind of comics anymore. I mean, right now, it's Raina Telgemeier. Right. She's the Jack Kirby of that kind of book. <laughs> but, you know, Zoe Thurgood's certainly extremely talented and, and has a interesting future in 
in store for her if she Mm -hmm. keeps going. Sort of. So here's what I see from an industry standpoint. Well, we get into your theory now? Yeah, we, we can. Okay. When we were in our 20s, there were a lot of books like this. Yes. They were by people in their 20s or maybe slightly after them. I believe that people who get older don't tend to do books like this that often. And sometimes when they do, if they're still going through all this same stuff, it's very difficult to make it not really sad. Further, when you are in your 20s as a reader, you are looking for things to relate to, things to understand yourself. And so you look for this kind of thing more, I -hmm. think. And then the other bit is that publishing is just finding things that are this honest and confessional and personal used to be a lot more rare. It was a while where I thought, you know what? Comics is probably better than this at anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd say that all the time. Some memoir or whatever. And I, I still do think that. But now there's so many outlets for expression that it's kind of everywhere and it's harder to pick those things out. And then the other side of it is that culture has changed to a certain extent. And I believe that in our generation, Gen X, there was a real thing about trying to figure out who you are and some sort of honesty about it. And what it has changed to in that time has been the sort of social media, look at me, pay attention to me, here's what's great about me. And that is so pervasive that sort of these kinds of things are going to be continually niche. So, you know, like a lot of those people who did autobiocomics, to name two, Mike Dawson and, and Alex Robinson, you know, like, they don't do, uh, Mike does different kinds of cartoons or whatever, but he doesn't do like a long form book or actually he just did. Either way, it's a smaller audience. And so it's a harder thing to build an audience and keep your career going for that long if you're not going to do mainstream comics like that. It happens. You know, Chris Ware, I don't know what he's doing now, but I feel like he, he did okay for himself. I doubt he's working on Arby's. But going forward, I, I think that's going to be really tough. Yeah, I just don't, I don't know. <laughs> it, it felt like there were more of these books 20 years ago, but I don't know if they're just happening at smaller publishers. I just don't know. Yes. You know, you're not seeing them because honestly, they're not for you. For the most part, I don't want to read memoirs about people who are 20 years younger than me trying to work it out because that doesn't really help me. Mm. I mean, they're great. I mean, it's fine, but I would love to see something at this point, but those also don't exist that much because I don't think it, I also think that the amount of energy that it takes to make something like this that is so emotionally raw and you're driven to do it is a really hard thing to do when you're older. Just in terms of all sorts of like time, energy, what it is you need to try to figure out, what it is you need to say about yourself. You're just not the same person. You're not as likely to do it. Great rock albums come out with people who are in their 20s. Sure. They don't tend to do it in their 40s. That's because you've got hormones bursting out of your yeah. pores in your 20s and everything is so heightened and intense. And the intensity dies down as you get older. And you want everything and you have so many questions and it's just more natural for that to happen at that point. Later you yeah. go, oh wait, nobody has any answers. <laughs> it's not even a joke though. Like the, for me, the greatest realization of adulthood is that pretty much everyone is full of shit and we're all just yes. trying to get by and nobody knows what we're doing. That's what we say at work all the time. Yes. No one knows anything. No one knows anything. It's, it's my, I try not to give parental advice to people. The only thing I ever say to people is, don't have any expectations, and believe me, literally no one knows what they're doing, even if they say they do. We are all making it up. We're all just floating along mm-hmm. until we stop. Yeah. But I like reading these books. Yes. Maybe it's because I don't see them that often. So this was like, oh, I haven't read one of these in a while. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Now, do I want to read five or six or seven of these a year? Probably not. But that's something I've read in years. I enjoyed reading it. 
I don't think they make movies like this anymore. Like, I feel like they did. I don't know. I feel like it's, it was much more pervasive when we were younger, but maybe well, it was, the, the uh, whole culture of media has changed to the point where yes. these stories are not as profitable as a Superman story. Sure. So movies and TV and comics have all shifted to telling those stories. I mean, obviously these comics exist, but like I said, this is an image book and images isn't in the business of putting these books out. They've been just putting out sci-fi fantasy books. It's interesting because I actually got to the end of it and I hadn't, I'd forgotten what it was or, or, you know, and I, and I got to the end, I flipped over and I was like, oh, it's an image book. It's an, it's an image original graphic novel. And I thought that is so strange. That's unusual, right? That Brubaker, he's got the corner of the market on that. That's a different thing. And he's a veteran and all. I'm saying people, it's that image, image graphic novels, but that's, that's Mm -hmm. really kind of it. Yeah, like that's an outlier and there's reasons for it. This wasn't in issues, right? I couldn't. No, no, it wasn't. I think, I think. It's testament to her talent. Sure. I think. Yes. The whole thing in images, if you've done an image book, you can pretty much get another image book, right? Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what their thing is. Or at least it was back in the day. But she did rain for them and mm-hmm. her talent is undeniable. So I think it's really interesting that that book resonated. I mean, it's not surprising, but it is surprising in that like we both liked it and we're both like, this is actually really good. And surprisingly so. Mm-hmm. But it, I just figured it would be another one of those books that came and went and no one would have noticed it, I guess. I think if you're. Eric Stevenson, whoever is making the decision at Image. This artist is incredibly talented. She's got a lot to say. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you put her next book out. Did they publish her previous one? No idea. No. no, that was Avery Hill Publishing. So like her previous publisher? graphic novel was Avery Hill, which is mm-hmm. a mainstream publisher. Hmm. You know, you grab her next book because you see how talented she is. And, you you know, you're not wrong because you get a couple Eisner nominations out well, of it. with the margins that sort of these smaller books and graphic novels can do like like image is kind of perfect to hit that niche audience of things yeah. where you, you can you know I, I hate you know you have to make money you, you gotta pay your bills you can, they're not gonna do it so they, they must have done the math on that it's interesting if you look at the cover of that book it's similar to this one and it's both protagonists have their backs to us and they're both wearing striped shirts there's a real thing throughout this book and I don't know if it's intentional or subconscious or whatever it is, but you want to see the real person. Mm-hmm. Yes. And she will not show it to you. Well, she should. I mean, there's a fair amount of her drawing herself as herself. It's mo- she's mostly the formless. Right. But I'm saying there's so many different versions of it. What I wondered, again, not this isn't actually criticism. It's a, it's a mm-hmm. compliment is that, you know, I thought sometimes it's like, well, is this an idealized version of her? Is this what she wants to look like? Or is this what she looks like? There's all these different things and so when you see her straight up looking at you it's usually the formless thing you're the, right. the picture on the cover you get the sense that that's really her but like her she, she's back to us her hair is covering everything about her you're giving you all this but you can't quite get close enough which i think you know if it's intentional is a great metaphor or if you know if it isn't it's still telling us something well it's the metaphor of how she sees herself in her head right she's mm-hmm. just she's just this blob mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah, I mean, she, I think she's drawing herself enough as it's just that she's mostly the blob. But I'm, I, I'm probably through pages now. I keep hitting pages where she's drawing herself as herself. Sure. Yeah, I mean, this was, I, I don't say fun because it's not fun. It is. But I enjoyed reading it in a way that is not fun because <laughs> it's not, it's not, I, I don't want people to think it would like, Oh, don't read it because it's, 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 it's not fun. But it, it's not a fun book. It's not a fun story, but it's an enjoyable mm-hmm. read, if that makes sense. Yeah, and it's valuable. Yeah. I read this and I just thought, all right, comics are fantastic. And I don't <laughs> read enough great ones that are outside of those lines anymore. Right. I know some reasons why, many of which have been detailed previously. 
I mean, I think it's, I think one of the other things, I think it's harder to find stuff because there's so much more stuff and it's so specific, you know, it's the long tail theory. Like if Mm -hmm. you want what you want, there's exactly what you want, but sometimes that's harder to find. And I don't have the energy to find it. By the time the show is published, she's going to be announced she's a new Spider-Man artist. <laughs> That's the career longevity. I mean, the thing is, her style, she's going to only be able to do indie comics. Mm-hmm. Indie can mean anything, but she, you know what I mean? Not Marvel DC. Right. Like she, she's a terrific artist, but her style does not lend itself to that. So she's not going to get swallowed by that machine. Mm-hmm. So she's either going to keep doing these books, and hopefully they make money enough that she can make a living, or she's going to have to find something else to do. Because she's not going to make that Marvel DC page rate. It was Chester Brown, I think, who did that book I was talking about. Mm, all right, Chester Brown. Oh, boy. So You're taking me back. Well, see, what I'm getting at is like, there's all these people, like when we were coming up earlier on. Right. Like the big names of what we call indie comics, which actually has a mainstream home now in a way that it never really used to. But I always wonder, like, what happened to them? Like, what does Chris Ware do? What does Chester Brown do? What does Black Hole, Charles, Charles... Charles, you, uh, it's out of my head. But there were other, remember that we used to read those like tiny giant phone book? What was that? There was a Canadian guy. That was not Canadian. It was like the European guy. This is terrible discussion. But I'm just thinking back to the 2000s when we were doing our video show and we were constantly talking about these kind of books. Andy Watson. The one book about the guy who was a cartoonist who just t- took it to the road in Europe and lived with his fans. Like There was all kinds that. of these books. Yes. What are those guys doing? Adrian Tomaini yep. is like at the top of the heap because he's reached mainstream success and draws for the New Yorker and all kinds of stuff. But for the most part, how long can you keep doing these? Right. It's interesting, especially with the markets are different. You know? Charles Burns. who I Charles was Burns. About. You know, and those were top of the heap guys. It's I don't know in this world how people make a living after they've sort of come out of the sort of, you know, there's residuals, but. Books don't sell like, you know, I don't know. I don't understand. <laughs> I don't understand. I've never understood the economics of that part of comics. I understand the economics of mainstream comics fairly well. And I know mm-hmm. that there are ancillary ways to make money. A lot of these guys go on to write video games or even get into TV shows or do yeah, they do design work or whatever. But like this kind of work, right? you know, what are you going to do? You know, like there's lots of things that could come from it, but it, the, like the number of people who can be successful and do those things, it, it diminishes as you as you go upward, which just seems like such a waste of talent. It's just yeah. not, not a place for so many things. So if you're listening to this and you shouldn't be, <laughs> don't let what I just said upset you, although you've probably already thought of it. It does call up a lot of things to think about because it is a kind of a throwback book to a, yeah. a time from 20 years ago that... And, you know, at least for us, that was a prevalent genre for us. And now it's pretty much gone. Yeah. So we'll see. Anyway, so let's, let's rate. It's the only center of the earth by Zoe. I don't Durrigan. feel comfortable with this. Yeah. It's hard. I actually had a really hard time. I have been thinking about that since I stopped reading it yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the answer is. If I have to, out of five stars, I think... I think four and a quarter. I was going to say four. It's tough because she's a, you know, the artistry and all the the style. It's it's all great. It's just, you know, as a story. So with the genre, 
of mainstream superhero comments, etc. It is really easy for me to slice and dice and move it down and be like four point three five or whatever. So here I'm working with I'm gonna I'm, in my thought was I'm working with a solid five point scale. Yeah. Was it good? Yes. Was it better than average? Yes. Was it perfect? No. Hence four. Not a five. Five is like Library of Congress Lifetime Achievement Award. But she's young. She's got a lot of fives in her, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like going over four and a half. So I think four and a quarter is, yeah. is good for me. So there you go. It's only at the center of the earth, the original graphic novel. By the way, they're a good published by Image Comics. So you can listen to Josh and I talk about the week's new comic book releases every week on the Pick of the Week show. You can also listen to the sister show to the Books Blood, which is the Talks Blood show that Josh interviews comic book creators. There's also the Media Blood monthly show that the patrons also unlocked where we talk about non-comic book media, mostly, and other shows. You know, we're in the midst of the summertime, which means there's lots of movies we cover. You can find all those shows at fanboy.com. So I think we have decided that the next Booksplode, which comes out in September, will be the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Edition. We're going all the way to the other side of Christ, the pole. Christ, you said it. <laughs> we're going the other side of the pole. I don't even feel good saying that sentence on this show. But we're going to do the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Edition. It's a big edition DC put out. Early in the year, late last year. There's going to be Simonsons. There's going to be Bogdanovs. There's yeah. going to be Jurgenses. <laughs> and so we're going to do that. So if you want to read along, you've got two months to read the Death of Superman 30th Anniversary Edition. Somewhere, former iFanboy writer Jeff Reed put up a little shriek of joy. <laughs> so so uh, you'll find that in September sometime. And this was fun and entertaining and illuminating. And thanks for listening. My name is Connor. Yeah, I'm Josh. I, I hope that was valuable. I have no idea. <laughs> so now, now.